Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Like I said, thanks for being here this morning. It's great to see your faces. Uh, We are in the second week of our series as we go through the gospel according to Matthew. So if you have your Bibles with you or you want to open up your phone, uh, just go to the beginning of the New Testament. We're starting in the book of Matthew today. Uh, We started in chapter 3 last week and we'll be continuing that journey this week starting in verse 13. We're going to read it together in a moment here. for some of you, maybe you're new here and you don't, uh, you don't have one of these fancy-dancy journals that you see some of us holding. Uh, they are free of charge. We want you to have them. And what they are, they're a resource for you. Uh, part of our focus this year as a church is that we want to be being formed into the image of Christ, not just here on a Sunday morning, but in everything that we do in, throughout the week. And so this book is meant to be a resource to you. So if you go to, I think it's page 12 for this week, page 13, 14 for this week, uh, you'll see just some space for you to take notes. Uh, there's a space for notes within your community group, and there's space for something called SOAP. Uh, if you, have ne- you aren't familiar with it, SOAP is just a, a devotional practice that allows you to have some structure in your own personal time as you go through the content. So every week we're spending time in different passages. I would love if you took note of it. This week is Matthew 3, 13 to 17. And then we're going to talk about it here on a Sunday morning. I would love for it to to carry forward in our community groups, and then in your own personal time to reflect upon it. Uh, Earlier in the book, it gives you an idea of how to actually do that, but this is a way in which we get to actually form our lives around the person of Jesus, and to do so intentionally. So these books are for you, and we want you to, to take them, to use them as we continue through the gospel according to Matthew. Now, uh, last Sunday we began our journey through the gospel of Matthew here in chapter 3 where we found John the Baptist declaring these, these words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we talked about this idea of, of discovering the courage to announce good news. And asking the question, am I, am I actually genuine enough in my life to make that announcement? Does practices of of repentance and confession actually lead me towards this revelation of who Jesus is that I might announce it because it's captivated my heart. This idea that the kingdom of heaven is at hand was true then, and I would say it's even more true now. We need the message of John the Baptist today more than ever, that the sweetness of ongoing repentance in the Christian life is the beginnings of a life that announces Jesus. And this week, we see a moment that perhaps many of the people that were coming to get baptized were were waiting for. The beginning of Jesus' three-year walk to the cross and the first public announcement of his Messiahship. So let's read together Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. You can follow along on the screen. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. 
As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well well pleased. When we first moved out here, uh, I'm, I'm originally from Alberta. We moved out here in the summer of 2017. We visited a lot of different churches and tried to get to know the area. And when you go to different churches, you hear different preachers speak and, and different approaches. But there was a consistent element that seemed to show up at every single church that we went to. If the pastor had a kid, they showed up in the sermon somewhere. Now, uh, Mia has made her way into a sermon or two at this point, but uh, this week more so, I would say I have been aware of her in my preparation process. Uh, growing up, one of the things that I treasured was the fact that my, I shared a birthday with my grandfather, June 13th. So my grandfather, uh, he was 60 years old when I was born. He turned 60 and I was born. And it was a wonderful thing that we shared. And then when we got the pr- prospective due date for Mia, it was like days from my birthday. And I was like, it is, it is divinely appointed. She's going to be born on my birthday. Well, she wasn't. She was a little bit early. So she was on June 7th. And June 7th now is an important day for me. It's a meaningful day. It's a moment that I will always remember and reflect upon. And we have these marks and these moments in our lives that draw our attention. And they, can, they happen on an annual basis. And they can be moments of, of great grief, moments of regularity, moments of celebration. Today is September 11th, and if you were alive in 2001, you would have some recollection of perhaps... I know we've just got some, some students in the room, and it's still crazy to think to me that people weren't alive in 2001, but it's the truth. Um, September 11th, that there is, some, some of y'all are just catching that moment, and you're like, wow, that hurts. Um, September 11th is something that we remember, but it's something we grieve. Thanksgiving is next month, and it's an annual thing, and it shows up, and you just expect turkey. And then it's the child, it's, it's the first birthday of, of Mia that will come up next year, and I'll be very aware of it, and I'll celebrate it. And in today's text, we find a moment that is highly significant in the life of Jesus. This is a moment that's found in all four. It's the, it's the moment that Jesus, in many ways, has been quietly waiting for in the obscurity of Nazareth. The whole country at this moment has is, is got this buzz of expectancy. The unthinkable is taking place. We see Jews in the hundreds taking the unprecedented steps of following John the Baptist into the waters of Jordan, confessing national and personal sins, and calling God to cleanse them and make them fit for his kingdom. This has not been seen maybe since the time of Ezra, even if that, in such a momentous manner. The the placing of this incident, even within the Gospel of Matthew, at the front of the book is significant. And and it points to this. It points to Jesus' clear identification with all that John was teaching. The time was ripe. And Jesus came forward to join others in the waters of baptism. And this moment mattered. But here's the thing. It's a moment that did not just matter for Jesus. It matters to the Father 
and I would contend that it matters to us. Here's the big idea. Jesus' baptism is not just a public arrival or announcement, nor is baptism simply our personal public declaration of faith. What this story shows us is that it is actually the public declaration of heaven as well, saying one thing, that is my child. So this text, it spoke to me in a way that was different pre my daughter. Because of this new human being in my life, I, I looked at it differently. Uh, little Mia, she's, she's only three months old, but she's this, this talkative little girl, cooing and smiling plenty, and not just because uh, she's like about to poop, but because she like, like recognizes mama and dada, and probably mama a little bit more, and it makes all the, the changing of the diapers worth it when she smiles at you, right? It's, just, it's like this beautiful moment. But also like, most parents, uh, we are camera happy. Uh, the thousands of photos, it feels, have been taken in the first three months of, <laughs> of her life. And what I end up finding myself doing on a, on a day-to-day basis, I just, I'm sitting around looking at photos of her. And there's so many images that I love to look at. Johan, you can throw the images up on the screen, some of them for everyone to enjoy. You got those baby photos? I think they're there. If not, it's okay. There's some very cute baby photos that we have. There we go. So you see the the wide range. Um, On the left, lots of smiles, super cute. On the right, a little skeptical, unsure of what she's looking at, and probably wondering why you photo dad. I think that you have enough at this point. And there's something profound in these images, this this brand new human being. And and I think that when we look at the one on the far right, the skepticism in her her face, that one seems more like the response of the baby when when she first joined us. She didn't come out with a bow and and smiles, even though it's it's kind of the joy that I take in it. She came out kicking and screaming and frustrated and confused. And who can blame her? It's cold, it's new, it's, it's, it's this world that she's not experienced before. This is how we all enter the world. And to some degree, I, I, I ask the question, does, does it actually get better from there? Maybe there's moments of of rainbows and ice cream, but it seems like we encounter lots of moments in life that leave us kicking and screaming and confused and frustrated all over again. Sure, there are moments that we can treasure, but it left me thinking. What good news do I have to offer my daughter about life and our world? What can I tell her about how it's going to be? Because if I don't have good news to offer my daughter about life and the world, what am I doing? So with this question in mind, it forced me to look at this very familiar story in the Gospel of Matthew with a new set of eyes. So we're asking three primary questions this morning. Why does the baptism matter to Jesus? Why does it matter to God, the Father? And why does it matter to us? 
So why does it matter to Jesus? Jesus, he went from Galilee to, to the River Jordan, and he finds John. And Jesus, he goes out to be baptized. And if you notice at the beginning of the passage, the response of John is not excitement and joy that, oh man, this is my moment. They, finally, the head honcho has shown up to prove that I am that guy. I am the man. No, he says, I, I don't think I should be doing this. You should baptize me. He tries to deter Jesus. And he's encountering perhaps what you encounter when you look at this moment, where he says to himself, I I don't think I'm qualified to actually baptize you. In fact, why are you even being baptized? Central to the gospel and throughout scripture, Jesus in his entire life is sinless. He is without sin. We're told in the scriptures that Jesus never rebelled against God. Hebrews 4 says that Jesus was tempted in every way and was without sin. The apostle Peter, he says that Jesus committed no sin, nor does deceit even come from his mouth. The sinlessness of Jesus is critical to the idea of the gospel. Without his perfect obedience, salvation is not possible for any of us. And with all that said, John believes this as well. There's nothing for you to repent for or confess, Jesus, so we don't need to worry about it. I need to be baptized by you. So what did Jesus do in this moment? He wishes to be baptized. Why? Because Jesus has chosen to identify with us. God has added humanity to his divinity. So Jesus comes and John recognizes who he is, the one to bring good news. And he says, hold on, you are that guy. My whole deal is to point people to that guy, to you. And Jesus is saying, he says this very specifically, I have come to fulfill all righteousness. And what he's saying is that this is God's story making all things right in the world. Jesus is coming as the representative of a repentant, broken humanity turning towards God, looking for help. So he is saying in this moment, I need to be with my people, and so he is baptized. Why does this moment matter to Jesus? Because humanity matters to Jesus, because I matter to Jesus, because you matter to Jesus. He identifies with you and with me, and in response of repentance, because he's come to fulfill all righteousness. What does righteousness mean? To make that which is wrong right, to bring that which is broken and far apart into right relationship with God. This is why the baptism mattered to Jesus. So he's baptized. And he he comes up out of the water. And in that moment, heaven was opened. And it says that he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. Alighting upon means to come upon or or to rest upon. And the the phrase in verse 16 is a typical phrase throughout the Hebrew verse. Hebrew Bible, that it says the heavens opened. It's the prophet is having a vision. You see this kind of phrase used in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1, it says that the heavens opened for him, and then he saw lions, and he saw oxen, and he saw angels. It's on a big trip. It's a crazy dream and vision that he has in that moment. But it's, it's a similar language that's used, that the heavens have opened up, and it's seeing something beyond the moment that they're in. 
re- the reality has almost split. The, the veil between heaven and earth is, has opened just so, ever so slightly for us to see the response of the divine. Jesus sees the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And the Holy Spirit is associated with the image of a dove. And what is most likely going on in this description is that Matthew is hinting at something. Can can we think of another moment in Scripture where we see the Spirit of God hovering over waters before bringing new life? We go to the second verse of the Bible. We go to Genesis 1 verse 2 where God makes the sky and land, but it was a dark and wild waste. And what is happening is that Spirit of God is hovering. The Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And the the word for hovering that's used in this moment is like a mother bird hovering over her nest. This moment in Matthew is the Spirit of God hovering over Jesus like he was in Genesis 1 all over again. Now notice this, that all the three-in-one vision of God present here. You have Jesus, and then you have God the Father who's talking to the Son, and the one who communicates the presence and love from the Father is from the Father to the Son is the Spirit. This is what later Christians would call the Trinitarian God. And this language isn't found specifically in the New Testament, but the idea of the three is all over it. If you look at the Gospel of Luke, Luke mentions this multiple times, that Jesus is led by the Spirit. He speaks by the Spirit. In Luke 4 verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He's filled up. He's he's like a vessel. He's like a container filled up with the Spirit. He's a sponge, overwhelmed and overflowing with the spirit that is empowering him to do the work of the kingdom that the Father desires him to do. No wonder this is a significant moment in the life of Jesus. This was his appointing. This was God's announcement. And he was appointed to do his kingdom mission by leading and being empowered by the spirit. And then something Dramatic happens, and a voice from heaven says, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Though being empowered by the Spirit is amazing, though God speaking at all is astounding, what he said was even more so. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And this is an isolated language in the book of Isaiah multiple times over. It speaks of this Messiah to come. That would be the suffering servant and the messianic son. This was the spoken one that throughout generations that Jesus was coming to fulfill all the promises and prophecies that was given from generation to generation. And in this moment, in this declaration from heaven, it was the fulfillment of all of it together, but yet there is incredible simplicity to it. The Father commissions and appoints the Son with an act of love through the Spirit. Now, we, wouldn't, we would have a really tough time believing this if Jesus hadn't talked about it. But here's the fundamental thing, because I understand the idea of the Trinity can be a, a, a mysterious thing. But this is the fundamental thing that is revealed in this moment. 
as the three-in-one God is revealed to us in the story of Jesus, the fundamental basis of the relationship between the Father, the Spirit, and the Son is love. What is the fundamental statement of the Father to the Son? I love you. At the core of God, at his very essence, is love. And some of us might think that the universe is a cold, dead place, but the Christian worldview says otherwise. It says, no, at the core of the universe is the very essence of unconditional love. The gospel says that love is at the core of the universe and Jesus comes among us as someone who is sent out of the Father's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son. Love is is intertwined in his intention and in his action and in his core and at his essence. And why does the baptism matter to the Father? Because he is appointing and empowering his beloved son in a public demonstration of who he is. Love. So that's the theology there. But why does that matter to us? So let's make a practical observation. What has Jesus done to deserve the Father's love? Nothing. Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He's being introduced to the world as the Messiah, God's son. And Jesus' first experience in his public ministry is this intense moment of the Father's love. And this is the beginning point of everything he does. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't performed any miracles. He hasn't taught any crowds. He hasn't done anything spectacular yet. So why should the Father love him? He hasn't done anything yet. Most of our experiences in life is love comes because of something I do. And that's how we operate in the world. We spend most of our waking existence trying to make ourselves acceptable, likable, lovable, trying to be successful in a certain way, to be looked at in a high enough fashion to gain some form of admiration. This is the business of being human in a lot of ways. And yet, in this moment, Jesus comes among us as a revelation of this God of love. And this is what's being said. There is this love at the core of the universe Not love that comes as a result of anything you do, but love that comes before anything you do. Not love that comes as a result of anything you do, but love that comes before anything you do. So what has Jesus done to deserve the Father's love? Absolutely nothing, and that is the point. That love doesn't hinge on whether or not we do anything to deserve it. It is just there. And that is the Christian worldview. And then I ask the question again. It's a nice idea. This love that's just there. But where does it meet with my life? 
And the story of the gospel is very clear that there is an event, a person, an act of history that God has accomplished that we can point to. A real flesh and blood moment that shows that this is how I know that God loves me. What is this event? Well, the author of 1 John sums it up this way. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Over the course of our lives, we make decisions and have moments of striving to be lovable, to be accepted, to be seen. And we go to great lengths to do this. Often we will compromise our integrity, our morals, our relationships because of this desire to be loved and to be seen and to be known. But what is Jesus inviting us into? He's inviting us into his own experience of God's love. What First John is saying is, This is the way in which you actually experience life and life to the fullest. I have opened up a way to experience the love of the Father. It's the cross. It is Jesus. That Christ takes upon himself an undeserved death in his sinlessness and gives us this undeserved love in its fullness. All of our selfishness, all of our shame, all of our vain efforts are left at the cross where he shows us that that we have been, where we have been trying to find love is lacking. But look to me. There is another way. And he stands in the gap and he takes upon himself all that's broken and evil and gives us all that is loving and true. The good news that I have to offer my daughter is that the universe is not cold and a dead place. But at the core of the universe is a God surging with unconditional love for her. The unconditional, surging, unqualified love is the constant, unchanging, freely given love of God to you this morning. And this is a love that even I won't be able to to show my daughter perfectly. I'll always remember, it's it's, it's a moment that I will forever reflect upon. At my wife's side on, on June 7th, waiting for our baby to join us. And, and the moment that she came into the world, looking at her and just, just instantly weeping, and feeling this unquenchable love burst out of me. But it made no sense. She's literally done nothing. <laughs> In fact, she's just made our life really complicated. And, and, and one step farther, she, she's actually hurt the person that I love most in this world. And yet in that moment, when I saw her, I think we get glimpses of what the unconditional love of God is. Because my heart is overwhelmed and I cannot explain it. To ask why does she deserve my love, it just just doesn't get it. 
It just is. It's love that's there before anything is done. And it was this glimpse for me of the hope and possibility of the gospel for me and for you that we are given through Jesus. Some of us desperately need to know this because we have never experienced anything like it. A love that is present for us before we were born. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Why does baptism, the baptism of Jesus, matter to us? The gospel says that through Jesus, we discover that the Father's words to the Son are the Father's words to us. That's why that baptism mattered. The Father's words to the Son are the Father's words to us. This is my son. This is my daughter. I love them, and I am pleased with them. Can you imagine what it would look like to go through your days grounded in this kind of love? Not striving or searching to be lovable or likable or seen, but to feel loved, to feel seen, to feel known, and to live from that reality. I think I would live differently. And it's this love that we celebrate every time we gather, every time we sing, every time we converse, every time we do something together, we discover that love afresh and anew. Those, those images that I showed you of Mia right before, uh, the middle image was day one. <laughs> very, very little, petite little girl. And she is crying and she's screaming and they're caring for, for my wife on the table. And they pick her up and they're like, okay, we're going to weigh her and we're going to measure her. And they take her over to this cold, not so welcoming stand. And she's crying. And I can't help myself. I'm like, I, I, can I help? <laughs> So is there something I can do? She doesn't understand English, but I've been talking to her a lot. And I, and I just get close to her. And in that moment, I'm just hovering over her. And I don't know what to do in that moment. I just am overwhelmed. And all I can say is, I love you. I'm right here. Look at me. I don't have words to truly properly articulate what was going on inside of me, but whatever it was, it was love. And we come into this world kicking and screaming, and we all experience rejection and hurt, and the gospel says that there is a voice hovering over us, trying to get our attention, telling you that same thing over and over. I love you. I'm here for you. Look at me. Mistakes are going to happen, but it's okay. I've made a way. I love you. 
do you know the love of the Father? John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. In the same way that the Father delights in his Son, the Father delights in you. The moment of the baptism mattered to Jesus because he identifies with them. It mattered to the Father because he expresses love in its fullness and appoints his Son to fulfill the kingdom that was coming. And it matters to us Because the words that were said to the Son are the words that are said to you. And what would happen if our life was actually grounded in that love? What if we were actually convinced of that love? Romans 8 verse 38 to 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says a lot of things about a lot of things in the Bible. But ultimately, he is convinced. And he knew the love of the Father, and he was grounded in that. For some of you this morning, you feel like you have not heard those words ever spoken over you. You feel like you have always had to earn the love of someone, even someone that you desperately love yourself. The idea of an unconditional love feels so beyond your comprehension that the idea of the Spirit of God hovering over us, whispering that sweet truth, feels just beyond, beyond us. You're quicker to hear the words of shame and guilt than the words of life and love that come from the Spirit. But the challenge this morning is, do you know the love of the Father? Because the words that he said to Jesus are the words that he says to you. The question this morning is, will we choose to hear them? Will we choose to receive them? To live from them? To find rest in them? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for this morning and the the space that we get to be in together. For the ways in which you have shaped us and molded us even within these moments. For our hearts that are heavy and burdened, we just pray rest. We just pray that the truth of the moment of baptism for Jesus, that the heavens opened up and declared, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. I pray for those in this room that need to hear those words for themselves this morning. That you aren't too far gone that you haven't been forgotten. That you aren't going to be loved by God when he loves everyone else. Whatever the lies are in our hearts and minds this morning, I pray that it is overcome by that hovering spirit in this room that just declares freedom. 
Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would communicate that love from the Father to us like you communicated it to the Son. That you would rest upon the hearts and minds of each of us here this morning. A love that doesn't make sense, a love that just is. Give us courage this morning to to just look to you, to open our eyes and hear those beautiful words. I love you. May heaven declare that to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.